Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me here today on the fifth episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast here with Jessica Tai. I'm excited to have back with me today, Derek. Hey, how's it going, everybody? <laughs> All right, so today we are going to tackle a big subject. We are going to look at cholesterol today. So why are we talking about cholesterol? Well, because it's quite the um, buzzword out there. Everybody talks about cholesterol, and it is extremely misunderstood. And pretty much if you're talking about cholesterol, everybody's talking about it in regards to heart disease or what statin drugs somebody just got put on and that type of thing. Well, I mean, everything I hear about cholesterol is cholesterol is bad. Mm. That is what most people hear about cholesterol, but I am here to tell you that is not true. So let me just go over a few things about cholesterol with you so you can actually understand why cholesterol is not bad and what cholesterol actually does for our bodies. So cholesterol is super important. We have to have it in every cell membrane that's in the body. It actually allows our cells to pull oxygen and nutrients in, and then um, we expel unwanted materials. And cholesterol is absolutely, we have to have it to do those things. It's also a precursor to bile acids. So without the bile acids, your digestion is greatly affected, and you wouldn't even be able to properly digest your food, especially fats. Um, your brain is also about 25% um, cholesterol uh, that's in your body. So your brain has to have the cholesterol to properly fire the synapses and just to stay in good health. It's extremely important for your brain. Hmm. So it sounds like cholesterol may be not all bad after all then. It's definitely not all bad. We also store cholesterol in our adrenals, our ovaries, and testes. So we have to have cholesterol to produce all of our sex hormones. We even have to have cholesterol to produce cortisol. Are we going to be talking today about like how statin drugs affect people? And I know that my my mom's on one of those, and I know that's a lot of people are you know pretty much have to be on those, I guess, right? Yeah, well, I don't think that anybody has a statin drug deficiency, but they're still put on statin drugs. Um, so, and they're told that they're put on statin drugs because their cholesterol is too high or they're at risk for heart disease um, due to cholesterol levels, which we'll talk a little bit about. Actually, I should just go ahead and talk about cholesterol levels now so we kind of understand that. So um, typically, your doctors tell you that your overall, um, your total cholesterol level is what they measure. Um, but let me just go over real quick. So we have HDL, which is known as our good cholesterol. That's a high-density lipoprotein. And um, that, uh, that's how we all know, like I said, the good cholesterol. Then we have a low-density lipoprotein, which is the LDL. And that is what is considered the bad cholesterol. Um, what they call the bad cholesterol anyway. And then, so to make up your total cholesterol counts, we also use uh, the triglycerides, um, which triglycerides have been linked to heart disease and diabetes. Um, those are, we, we know that triglyceride, I don't know why I always have the hardest time, even in my seminars, I always mispronounce that word. Um, but we know that when you um, eat too many grains and sugar, or a really inactive smoking is also a huge um, factor in high triglyceride levels. So um, that that is those really are scary, and we do need to watch for those levels. And then um, lipoprotein A or LPA, um, that's a substance that's made up of LDL, which we just said is your bad cholesterol, um, plus part of a protein which is um, a, uh, apoprotein A. So if we have elevated levels of LPA, then that also indicates a strong risk factor for heart disease. Um, but most physicians won't even, they may go over your triglyceride level with you. Um, they may take that into account when doing your HDL and LDL and getting your total cholesterol, but most doctors will not even talk to you about the LPA. So I guess 
for most um, you know people that are laymen like me. So all I hear is good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, and then there's some kind of ratio of one over the other, I guess. Is that how it's supposed to work out? Right, but let me tell you what actually is your more importantly than what your bad levels or your good level numbers are. Um, you really want to know the the most indicative ratio is your triglyceride to L, to HDL, so your um, good cholesterol versus your um, in relation to your triglycerides. So, um, but no, there really is no good or bad cholesterol, but that is kind of how we've actually all been taught. But let me, um, I would like to read something to you that um, this is from uh, Dr. Ron Rosedale, and this is a quote from him, and um, I am definitely not a cholesterol expert, so um, he is, and so I want to read this direct quote from him, and this will hopefully help you understand a little bit more. Um, he says, notice please that LDL and HDL are lipoproteins. They're fats combined with proteins. There is only one cholesterol. There is no such thing as good or bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is just cholesterol. It combines with other fats and proteins to be carried through the bloodstream since fat and our watery blood do not mix. Fatty substances, therefore, must be shuttled to and from tissues and cells using proteins. LDL and HDL are forms of proteins and are far from being just cholesterol. In fact, we now know that many types of these fat and protein particles, um, LDL particles come in many sizes and large LDL particles are not a problem. Only the so-called small, dense LDL partic particles can potentially be a problem because they can squeeze through the lining of the arteries and if oxidized, otherwise known as turning rancid, they can cause damage and inflammation. Thus, you might say that there is good LDL and bad LDL. Also, some HDL particles are better than others. Knowing just your total cholesterol tells you very little. Even knowing your LDL and HDL levels will not tell you very much. So translate all that into layman's terms for me. So, so basically what that means is that looking at your overall cholesterol or just basing your cholesterol health or your potential heart health on either a total cholesterol number or what your doctor tells you is the bad cholesterol LDL number is just not sufficient. This is old, outdated information. It is a calculation. It is not when your doctor tells you that your cholesterol number is this or that. It's, it's just a calculation. There is no test that they do and they say, oh, okay, here's your exact cholesterol count. So there's, there's so many ways to get this wrong and get it messed up. And, and that is why we are where we are today with, with believing the way we believe about cholesterol and so many people um, still being so sick and heart disease still being the number one killer of all Americans and, um, and us feeling like we have to take these uh, statin drugs that really just end up causing all these other issues. Well, I know that there are a lot of people out there that might be on one of those drugs, and obviously they'd have to talk to their doctor, maybe get another opinion, like a functional medicine doctor or somebody like that that could give them some alternatives to getting off of that drug. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, there, I mean, I, I definitely don't want to give medical advice to anybody or scare anybody and say you need to get off of your statin drug. But I do want to give you some information that you may not know, and I am certain your doctor isn't telling you. Um, so that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. And, you know, I want you to think about these things. I don't want you to go into your doctor. I don't want anyone to go into their doctor and just take whatever he says as the gospel and just do it thinking that this doctor and everything he says is the know-all be-all because it's not. Lots of doctors um, really are not up on the latest research and the reason they're not is because when doctors go to get their continuing education, those continuing ed classes are sponsored by the drug companies and by big food companies. They are not 
they're not going to, to do their um, continuing ed classes on any studies or any information that is going to tell these doctors that they no longer need to prescribe statins because people don't have statin deficiencies, but rather they need to tell them how to uh, change their nutrition or to lead a less stressful lifestyle or to cut the um, very inflammatory um, oils, uh, vegetable oils out of their diet and thus stopping the inflammation in their arteries, that is the true culprit behind um, all of these health issues that we're facing. Now, years ago, I used to listen to Tim Ferriss' podcast, and uh, I remember some of these things he started talking about years ago, and they seemed like counter-science or counter-intelligent because you're like, come on, this can't be right. It was almost like the bleeding edge, and I know uh, Dave Asprey and uh, the fat-burning man, uh, Abel James, some of these guys kind of had a bunch of guests on there and they sounded like conspiracy theorists when they were talking about people and all the reasons why they should get off statin drugs and and kind of uh, the bleeding edge of all the research. You know, what's your opinion about, you know, what what do statin drugs do to you? Like, are, are, is there any evidence for that? I know I have a personal connection to people that are on those drugs, so I'd like to know what's the kind of going research right now on what, happens to somebody that's on those drugs in the long term? Well, there's lots of things that happen to people that are on those drugs um, in the long term. So one of the things I want to talk about, um, let's just start, let's go through some of the things, but let's start with um, with this. So um, first thing I want to point out is just that, did you know that, for instance, when you, that you have to have cholesterol in your body in order to synthesize vitamin D. That means that, um, that means for your body to make it. So um, if you do not have cholesterol in your body, your body cannot synthesize, cannot make the hormone vitamin D. So really to make vitamin D, we need cholesterol? I've never heard that before. Yes, we have to have it. It's vital. Remember I told you that cholesterol is a part of every, of all of our cells. And um, it's, we have to have cholesterol in order to pull oxygen and nutrients into the cells. It allows cells to expel the unwanted materials. We talked about that. Um, cholesterol is imperative to have in all the cell membranes, and it is absolutely necessary to produce vitamin D. Interesting. So tell me more about that. Okay, so um, let's see. Let's talk about, okay, so let's just talk about, let's just go down this road a little bit. So just track with me here for a minute. All right, so do you know who is at the greatest risk for osteoporosis in this country? I would say people that don't drink enough milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you and a lot of people would say that, but let's just, just stay with me here. So um, the greatest, the people at the greatest risk for osteoporosis in the United States is women over the age of 50. So that's interesting, right? Okay, so women over the age of 50. So do you know what statins do? Uh, I heard they keep your cholesterol in check. Hmm. Yeah, okay, well, what statins actually do is they block the enzyme in the liver that's responsible for making cholesterol. Because here's a really cool fact. Did you know that your body makes 75% of the cholesterol that is actually in your body? That, I don't, I didn't know that. Yes, so that's interesting, right? So it's not like these statin drugs go in and they lower all this horrible cholesterol that you're getting because you're eating um, saturated fat, which is what we're told, right? That all this cholesterol is in the saturated fat and it's horrible for our bodies. They're actually blocking the enzyme that you use to make the cholesterol because our bodies need the cholesterol and they know they need the cholesterol. So we're actually producing it. So, um, so just keep tracking with me here. So do you know what common side effects are of statin drugs? Uh, so that's why I was asking you because I don't know. So I, I, I just, I hope they're not bad. Well, you said your mom is on statin drugs. So is there anything that, uh, that you, is she affected by anything or is there anything that you've been nervous about with her? I mean, I think with any person that's in their seventies or whatever, you start worrying about memory loss and things like that. So I guess for me, I just want to make sure my mom stays healthy and also has good mental, you know, capacity. I mean, she, hopefully she lives to 120 or something. Right, that, that, I hope so. That would be amazing. So, um, some of the some of the side effects of statin drugs are impaired memory, headaches, diarrhea, bloating, abdominal pain, feeling sick, and even an increased chance for cataracts. Um, 
We also know that now I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a point here. So stay with me. We also know that women speaking about your mom as well, women take half of the amount of statins that are prescribed in this country, even though there is no definitive research that proves that statins are effective in stopping heart attacks or atherosclerosis, none. Yet women, I just told you what statin drugs stop from, from, from doing, right? It stops your body from, from the enzyme that makes cholesterol, uh, that your liver does, uh, that your liver makes. It stops that process from happening. And, um, but, we, but we also know that there are no, there's zero definitive research that it proves them effective in stopping heart attacks or atherosclerosis, like zero. But I, I think what I've heard is some people take like CoQ10 or something to like somehow like take the side effects away or something like that. How does, I mean, well, CoQ10 is a, a is a protective measure that you can take. Um, you definitely can take that, and I would certainly recommend that anybody that is um, that is on a statin should be taking a CoQ10. But um, so let, let me talk about this. There was a study in 2010 at John, John Hopkins Medical Research Center that discovered that statins can actually cause the body to produce antibodies against its own proteins, which leads to a debilitating muscle disease that can actually get worse if those affected stop the use of statins. Also in 2012, researchers published a study showing that postmenopausal women who took statins were much more likely to develop diabetes and diabetes itself is linked to an increased risk of heart disease. Okay, so you guys tracked with me that whole time. So let's jump back and talk about this. So vitamin D, so, so let's go back to the vitamin D and, uh, synthesis issue. Do you know what the best way to prevent osteoporosis is? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> The best way to present to prevent osteoporosis is vitamin D levels and the synthesis of vitamin D. Now, you probably thought it was calcium because that's what we're told, and calcium does play a part, but vitamin D is actually a hormone, which we talked about, and you must have vitamin D and the proper levels of vitamin D to actually even absorb calcium. The two go hand in hand. So our kidneys, what happens is... Um, we, we go out in the sun and our skin produces a, um, uh, produces a, well, what am I trying to say? Like, um, a reaction. like a reaction that, that then our kidneys will produce an active form of vitamin D in our bodies. They use that reaction, um, or our livers, I should say, um, and then we use that and then we are able to perform, to uh, do a form of vitamin, I'm sorry, I keep moving away from this mic. <laughs> That's not good. I shouldn't be moving away from the mic like this. Um, so our, so our liver, our livers then take that, um, take that reaction, um, the, or take the action from the sunlight that it produces on our skin. And then our livers use that substance and we convert that into a bot, into a version that our bodies then can use to make more of the vitamin D hormone. And that is, it's imperative for us to be able to absorb calcium. So can you have too much vitamin D then? Um, yes, you can have too much vitamin D. It's extremely rare to have too much vitamin D though. So um, that's not really something that I think anybody should worry about. I mean, most of us have heard like how um, depleted vitamin D levels are for, for most Americans. Um, I think there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, and definitely the amount of Americans that are on statin drugs, that cannot be helping because we now understand that you have to have cholesterol to produce vitamin D, and if we are on statins and we're cutting back the, the level of vitamin D that we can even now synthesize, then that's going to be a problem. Um, so, so what happens is... Um, let me see, where was I? We were talking about vitamin, let's see, we were talking about vitamin D and, okay, so um, we can also get vitamin D, uh, the ability to produce vitamin D, we can get some of it from uh, from a few, few uh, foods that we eat, 
um, but it's very few foods. It's about 10% of foods that we can eat. Things like um, egg yolks, fish oil, and beef liver, those are about the only ones that we can get um, get that from. So this is also a reason why often vegans are among the most efficient population in vitamin D. And I know I was. When I was a vegan, um, that is when I found out that I had dangerously low levels um, of vitamin D. And I was suffering from, um, you know, actually many of the same symptoms that they say you suffer from when you have too much vitamin D, which was, um, you know, the tiredness and headaches and kind of depression and, um, you know, you just, you just don't feel good. Yeah, I, I, I really miss that cheese when we were eating vegan. Oh, gosh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Actually, for the record, I hated that stuff. It was like no cheese cheese. Yeah. Uh, we did. We gave it the old college try on that. But uh, anyway, that, that's a little mm-hmm. off topic. But yeah, I wasn't a big fan of vegan cheese. Yes. So we also, um, yeah, so I, yeah, I don't want to slam the whole vegan thing right now, but, um, but it is, it is an issue. So it's something that you need to watch out for. And, um, if you do choose to be vegan, you really need to, um, pay close attention to that. Um, also there's a, there's a few issues, um, just other than just bone health that occur when you don't get enough vitamin D, um, we're at an increased risk for cardiovascular disease cognitive impairment in older adults, high blood pressure, stroke, cancer risk, severe asthma in children has been linked to low levels of vitamin D. So anyway, so is your head spinning yet with all this stuff? I'm trying to keep up. So I guess why, why would, you know, people, you know, be on statin thin with all this, you know, it seems like all these side effects and all that. Right. So I agree. So in order to lower your cholesterol, which your body needs, Doctors put you on statins, but the statins then inhibit your synthesis of vitamin D, so you then fall into a greater risk for heart disease. Like, what? (laughs) Like, you just put me on a statin so that I um, am not going to be at risk for heart disease because the doctor just told me that my cholesterol is so high, but now what I'm learning is I put all this together and I'm right back to where I started and quite honestly, probably worse. Well, it sounds like for women, it's probably a bad idea in general. I, I mean, just from what you're telling me, are there any groups of people that it is helpful for? Um, really, the only people that any studies have shown that, um, that statins actually have benefit for are men who have already had a cardiovascular event in their life and are over the age of 50. That is the only um, population who has been uh, had any any kind of research shown um, to help with that population. So, you know, instead of, I I think what we need to focus on or what we need to remember is that really food is thy medicine. You know, like we don't need to take a pill to prevent our bodies from doing what they're meant to be doing. Um, You know, our bodies, they, they are producing that cholesterol. They know we need that cholesterol. We need it for every cell in the body. And when we stop that process from happening because we're trying to stop something else based on um, on faulty science anyway, but based on what we're, um, you know, just kind of guessing is the problem, then it just creates this whole cascade of events that we don't want. And, and then you'll be prescribed other medications to fix things that, that the statins are causing. So instead, you know, we need to focus on, we need to stop eating the sugar, stop eating the carbohydrates, um, stop eating the vegetable oils. Those are what are calling, causing the arterial wall damage. And, you know, our body needs zero of that stuff. So who's basically at the highest risk uh, for having these kind of heart issues? So the highest risk, um, this is according to the Mayo Clinic. They list out the highest risk um, people are females smaller body frames, over 65 years of age, if you have any kidney or liver disease, or if you drink alcohol. All right, so if you're in that risk group, can you do anything else other than taking statins? I guess you mentioned the diet things that you could do, no carbs, Um, what about fat? Yeah, I mean, basically what we need to do, I mean, the best thing that we can do is change your lifestyle. Um, and, and that, it, believe it or not, what the Mayo Clinic says in the same paper where they write who is at the 
the biggest risk, the risk factors I just read off, the, they actually list off to change your lifestyle. So, um, you know, this podcast is called Keto Lifestyle, and that is why it's called Keto Lifestyle. It isn't just about nutrition. You're, you're, you know, when I'm working with clients, we don't just talk about what they eat. We also need to focus on our stress levels. Um, remember last, my, the last podcast, um, we talked about hormone health, and we talked about how much stress can affect your hormone health. It, it just affects so many different things. Um, the same thing goes, it's any health in your body, um, your stress level, your sleep, you need to get good sleep quality, um, your exercise, or, you know, even not just focusing on specifically exercise, which people think means you have to go to the gym and spend so many hours on the treadmill or whatever, but just moving, just getting up and moving, not being sedentary. Um, and then, you know, they also state that, um, losing weight is huge. Um, that, you know, being, uh, having less weight on your body is a big, um, really lowers your risk factor. So, okay. So, but what causes actually hardening, hard, hardening of the arteries? Cause that's actually, I think what my dad died of. I mean, he was like, you know, uh, he had like a six bypass surgery and then, uh, you know, several years later he was gone. So what actually causes hardening, hardening, hardening of the arteries? Okay, yeah. So hardening of the arteries, that's a that's kind of the generic um, way that we talk about atherosclerosis. So um, let me talk about, first, let's kind of dive a little bit into, before I answer that question, into what atherosclerosis is, because that's the big fear, right? When you get put on a statin, you're being put on a statin because the doctor tells you that you're your cholesterol is too high, whether it's your total cholesterol they're talking to you about, or they tell you it's your LDL, your bad cholesterol. And so they say you have to be on a statin because if you don't, you're going to get hardening of the arteries or atherosclerosis, and that's going to lead to a cardiovascular event like a heart attack or some other um, type of heart disease, and then that's going to kill you. So we have to put you on these statins. So let's go over a few things. Like First of all, um, here there was a study in 1961 where they studied the levels of cholesterol and the degree of atherosclerosis in autopsies of 20 deceased patients, as well as they did they selected 200 cases from medical libraries to go over um, and put in this, um, kind of uses like a meta-analysis. Um, in that study, they found that there is no, color, no correlation that could be observed between blood cholesterol levels and the amount of of severity of, atheros of atherosclerotic plaque in the arteries. So zero correlation in that study. Also, um, and you need to keep in mind when we're talking about the atherosclerotic plaque, that is the major cause of heart disease. So that is, that's the hardening of the arteries, Derek, like you're saying, that's the actual term for it. Um, and then, so that, that is the number one cause of heart disease. There was also a, um, the American uh, Heart Journal in 1962 also published similar findings, and even the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition agreed. Um, there was also uh, Beth Israel Medical Center in New York, most recently studied 182 patients over about a year and a half, and um, regardless of their levels of cholesterol, they found zero difference in the development of atherosclerotic plaque. They stated the following in their report when they followed up that research. They said, with respect to LDL cholesterol lowering, lower is better, quote, it is not supported by the changes in calcified plaque progression. So in other words, they're saying, and with respect to the, to the quote that everybody hears that LDL lowering, lower is better, they found zero correlation. It, they could not support that statement that lower LDL cholesterol is better in regards to any kind of heart disease. And um, so now that we kind of understand what that is that we're even talking about, um, let me ta tell you a little bit about um, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, you asked me what causes it, what causes um what, what does cause this hardening of the arteries or this plaque? Well, basically food, you know, what we eat and what we just talked about and what we said the Mayo Clinic even said, it's your lifestyle, your nutrition. So we need to stop eating all the, the sugar and carbohydrates. Like, and 
I, I've heard so many times people say, well, we need carbohydrates. My doctor said that I need a certain amount of grams. As a matter of fact, I just saw on a packaged food we were talking about this morning that um, it said, what did it say? It said it was a heart healthy food. Uh, and it said it had the part of the daily recommended amount of 43 grams of whole grains, I think is what it said. Yes. So I think it's just so, it's so sad and it's so scary that we really think that in order to keep our heart healthy, we have to eat those things. And that is truly what is causing the problems. Like we, we can't, we eat way too many carbohydrates, way too many grains. Um, Do you remember that commercial that touched everyone's hearts a few years ago where the guy, um, you know, is sitting out with his daughter and they're eating um, Cheerios and, and on the back of the package it says, you know, eat more Cheerios to make your heart healthier. Yes. And so the daughter basically goes, um, while he's distracted, I guess, and stuffs his pockets full of Cheerios. And so he's walking to work or whatever and he pulls out his pockets and Cheerios start flying everywhere and everybody tears up because how much his daughter cares for him make him healthier by eating more Cheerios. But that was kind of the whole point of that. And now you're telling us that that's not necessarily the truth. Right. I know. That's very sad. That's, but that is, that's marketing dollars at work there. I mean, that's big pharma, big food. You know, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just the truth. I mean, they are, they absolutely are instrumental in making sure that their industries stay billion dollar a year industries. I mean, they, they, they have a lot of skin in the game for that. So let's, um, so, so yes, so carbohydrates, sugar, all that stuff, um, that is what accompanies, uh, the, the damage to our artery walls. So in addition to cause to those things causing heart issues and, and damage to our artery walls, they also cause, cause diabetes. Um, in April, 2017, the American Heart Association, um, did a study that linked diabetes and cardiovascular disease or heart attack. They say at least 70% of people with diabetes will die from some sort of heart disease. That's crazy. That is crazy. So adults with diabetes are four times more likely to die from heart disease than those without diabetes. And guess what causes diabetes? Let me guess. (laughs) High blood sugar, which leads to insulin resistance. So do we really need to say anything else about that? I mean, carbs really are the devil. The excess carbs, people, we got to get this out of our diet. And since our doctors are, and most of them are traditionally trained and dietitians too, and they, they follow this traditional training. And I can't tell you how many clients come to me after going to a traditionally trained dietitian thinking that, well, they're a dietitian and, and they should know everything, but they're trained in these ways, they're trained to follow the USDA guidelines, the the pyramid that tells us six to 11 servings of grain, bread, cereal, rice, and pasta a day. That is insane. That's crazy. And that doesn't count the fruit sugars and, you know, any other car, the, the, the sugars you're getting from milk and yogurt and, you know, all of those things. So, you know, we need, we need to keep all of this in mind when we're, when we're, talking about these things, we need to know, we need to make sure that we're remembering that it really is about nutrition. So, okay, so we know that, so I'm telling you that carbohydrates and sugar and grains are what the problem is, but so you're probably thinking like, well, how does that, how does that have anything to do with cholesterol and hardening of the arteries or atherosclerosis or heart attack? I don't get it. Well, I'm sure a lot of people, maybe they're in their 40s, 50s, even 60s, and they were just diagnosed, quote unquote, with high cholesterol. Uh, you know, maybe they went in for a cholesterol test. So, what what's the solution for people like that? Well, remember, I don't think you need to think about or worry about the high cholesterol necessarily. Um, that that kind of the whole idea of having high cholesterol is not the problem. The problem is your triglyceride to HDL ratio. You need to be looking at that. If you have high triglycerides. You also have to remember that your high triglycerides do not come from cholesterol and they don't come from high saturated fat intake. As a matter of fact, if you can, it has been absolutely proven that a ketogenic diet, for instance, 
can help reverse type 2 diabetes. I mean, it can completely reverse it, and I have seen it happen. So we have, um, so like the ketogenic diet, for instance, is about 70% fat, 20, 20 to 25% protein, and the rest, um, and the rest carbohydrates. So if that can reverse type 2 diabetes, then that tells you right there that it has nothing to do with fat because you're going to be eating an enormously high amount of fat compared to your standard American diet who wants you to stay at 20 to 30% fat. Interesting. So I guess, uh, you know, basically I would be curious about the, the there's, there's so many different, uh, you know, options out there. Well, um, yeah, so when you're talking about, so we're talking about the, the food and, and what you need to be eating and diet, um, just let me explain a little bit about why carbohydrates and these vegetable oils, these polyunsaturated fats, um, cause such a problem in our bodies. So um, what we need to remember is inflammation. So inflammation is, um, that's a process that allows your body to heal. So, so we need inflammation. It's not all bad. But what happens is we're in this chronically inflamed state because we're eating all of these things that we shouldn't be eating. We're dealing with extremely high levels of stress. We're not sleeping. Um, you know, we have all these things going on. So, so let me talk about the process that happens um, during inflammation. So um, your, uh, your blood vessels will constrict. Um, your immune system will send cells and chemicals to fight viruses and bacteria and other things. Um, your blood becomes thicker so it can clot. Cells will multiply to repair the damage. So um, anytime you have any kind of inflammation, you have those things happening. Well, we talked about cells and how cholesterol is, is absolutely essential for cells. Well, all of your cells are wrapped in cholesterol. That that is what, that's what wraps them in. That's what takes care of them. So um, when you are eating all of these inflammatory foods, it is actually causing inflammation along the walls of your arteries. So all inside your arteries, your walls are damaged. And so um, basically it's like having scars in your artery and those scars are what we call plaque. So that's when you hear the doctors talking about, oh, well, you have, you know, we all, you'll have all this plaque buildup in your in your artery walls, and then um, you're gonna, you know, you're, it's gonna lead to um, uh, to heart disease and to heart attacks. And they talk about the plaque as is as if the plaque and the cholesterol are the same thing. Like, well, if you have high cholesterol, then you're gonna have this plaque in your artery walls, and that's gonna end up killing you. But what happens is we get this plaque in our artery walls. And uh, like we just said, our blood becomes thicker um, because when we have inflammation, that's what it does. So it can clot. These are all protective uh, mechanisms that our body does. And then we also know that the blood vessels will constrict because they don't want you to bleed to death because we have this inflammation. And then what happens? Well, cholesterol comes in because in order to replace damaged cells, we have to have cholesterol. We talked about that in the beginning, right? When I um, told you how cholesterol is necessary for building cells. Right. So, so now what? So the cholesterol is necessary for that, right? So your body knows I have all this inflammation. I have this damage. I need to let cholesterol to come back in because remember cholesterol allows your cells to pull in the oxygen and nutrients and expel the unwanted things and you, you build new cells. So the cholesterol comes in. So it's not, the cholesterol is not there as the plaque. It's not what's stopping up your arteries and doing the damage. It's what comes in after the damage has been done or while it's going on to try and fix the problem. Like it's, it's there to try and, and, um, to try and fix the damage and try and, and, and save you basically. It's trying to save your life. So basically the inflammatory foods you mentioned are what, that, that, that are actually going to cause the damage. So the, the worst foods for your arteries, the, the wor for your body, period, it causes all kinds of, of things in your body. But the, the most inflammatory, inflammatory foods are sugars, and that's any sugars, carbohydrates, that's, which turn, do the exact same thing in your body, which we've talked about in previous episodes, as, as any sugar. Your body treats it the same way. It turns it into sugar. So whether it's whole grains or simple carbs or just straight up table sugar or fructose or whatever, your body has to deal with it the same way. 
So um, when we have these elevated, we always have this elevated blood glucose and we constantly have this release of insulin. And then we talked about the cascade of hormones last week, how chronically high insulin levels and blood glucose levels signal the release of cortisol. And then we get chronically high levels of cortisol, which is a whole another issue with all how it's connected to all the rest of our hormones and all of these things create inflammation in our bodies because we're not we're not made to live like this so it's this you know our bodies are just like i said last week they're just trying to keep us alive they're just trying to keep us in the best health that they can and they use all of these systems that they have on board to do it so it so even though it may be causing problems inside your body, it's, it's trying, it's doing everything it can to try to fix the damage that we're doing to ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. So I know that's a lot. I know, I, I know we, that's a lot to talk about and this has kind of been a longer episode and, but cholesterol is a really big deal and I think it's really misunderstood and I am certainly not a cholesterol expert in the least. You know, I, I research based on, you know, the research that's available out there um, other, you know, doctors and, and experts in the field that I, that I follow and, and study and try to read up on. And, but I think it's, it's just super, and it's super important that we try to get some of the facts. We've just been fed, um, so much bad information and we're getting our information, um, not from the best sources. I mean, we're getting information from advertisements that are put out there by, these companies that are trying to sell you the carbs and sugar, they, they don't want, they don't want us to understand that is the carbohydrates and the sugar or the highly inflammatory polyunsaturated fats that are causing this damage, um, you know, to our bodies and to our arteries. Hmm. Interesting. So for today, I mean, what's the big takeaway I think you think for everybody that they need to have on this? Well, I think, I think the big takeaway is I just hope that this at least made you um, think a little bit more about cholesterol and, um, and, and just kind of understanding that cholesterol is really not bad. It's not this negative bad word. It is our bodies make it. Like I said, we make 75% of the cholesterol that, that, we, that our bodies use. It's necessary. Um, for our bodies to function. It's necessary for the building of healthy, good cells. Um, it's necessary for repairing damage. It's, it, it is a very necessary um, thing for our bodies. So it's, it's not bad and we don't need to just, I, I want people to just start thinking about the fact that, um, that it's not something that we need to stop or be thinking about, oh my gosh, we got to get rid of this cholesterol. Like that's the wrong way to be thinking. We need to be thinking about our nutrition, our lifestyles, how we can um, do things to help uh, to help work with our bodies and and these incredible miracles of our bodies and the incredible systems that all work together. And when we start adding these man-made drugs and man-made um, food-like substances to our diets, that is when we get in trouble. That's when everything goes awry. So if I stick to real foods, healthy fats, low carbs, uh, I should be not worried about the next doctor's visit as I uh, get a little older here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even there was a study I was reading um, yesterday or the day before from out of John Hopkins, and they were talking about how how to reverse um, even type two diabetes and and um, your heart. Uh, heart disease risk factors. And that study was talking about simply the ways to reverse it are nutrition, your nutrition and your lifestyle. Like that was their advice, not a pill, but your nutrition and your lifestyle. It would be refreshing if the next time you went to the doctor, they asked you about your diet and number two, that the doctor actually would have some of this nutritional education. I think that'd be really awesome. Right. I think it would be a huge change in our medical environment in this country if we did, if doctors actually did get some nutritional training. I mean, they just don't. And what they do get is um, it's very minimal. And quite frankly, it's just wrong. It's outdated science. And 
Um, you know, it's based on it's based on pocketbooks, basically, and and we need to move away from that. And and until we move away from that, you know, we're not going to see an improvement in health of these chronic diseases. Well, I think that's the big thing about like this podcast and others like it. There's a uh, I counted about ten the other day, uh, kind of grassroots efforts podcasts that are talking about health and nutrition that are specifically. Um, they're not making money. I mean, we're not like, uh, you know, raking in the big dollars here trying to bring this information. This is just something that Jesse's really passionate about. I learn every time I talk to her. And uh, I think that there are a lot of people like Jessica out there that just want to see a change in our society. They want to see a change in our kids. They want to see less kids diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. They want to see less people on prescription medication. And all the clients that I get to see that uh, Jesse gets to talk to, I mean, they're just ecstatic with the advice. And knowing that they have freedom and they can still eat delicious foods um, and that we're not trying to sell them on any kind of potions or pills or powders or any kind of, uh, you know, uh, you know, stuff that they have to buy. I mean, pretty much anything that Jesse's recommending to them is stuff they can go to their local farmer's market and buy or Kroger or any of their local you know, grocery stores. Um, so, Jess, do you want to give everybody an update on what's going on with your Facebook page and kind of how to get a hold of you? Yeah, um, yeah. So, um, Facebook page is going well. I get new followers every day, and same with Instagram, and I'm really happy with that. So, I've been trying to put out um, interesting information or articles or things. I, I try to do a video, maybe really quick video, like one to three minutes. Um, I've been trying to focus on doing that like at least once a week. Um, maybe if I'm uh, preparing a meal or if I'm like the last one I did, I was prepping for my last seminar here that we actually just had here last night. And um, so just trying to give people some, some ideas and thoughts. And I just am really trying to get the word out there that it's not hard um it's really not as hard as we think it is to kind of change our lifestyle and um, be a little more, um, a little more focused on on healthy lifestyle, healthy nutrition, and that healthy doesn't have to be all that confusing. And um, so anyway, so that's been going really well. And if you haven't been to my Facebook page yet, I would love for you to come visit. You can follow me there. You'll get notifications when I post something new and. That's where I will be posting um, information on any upcoming seminars. I don't have any planned um, right now, but I am looking to probably do one in the winter months. And um, I have quite a list of people that are interested in that. So I think I'm going to have to open it up to a much larger space and probably do it at like a lodge or a clubhouse, something like that. Um, so that information will be there when I decide to do that. So you can um, find me on Facebook at Jessica Ty Nutrition. Um, and then my Instagram uh, handle is that keto blonde. So I try to post, um, sometimes I post the same things, but I'll post some different things on those um, too. So you could follow either one of those. And then your website, uh, and people can play the podcast directly from your website. They can also get information about your nutritional cooking services on that website as well, jessicatai.com. Uh, and there's show notes in here as well on your podcast player. You should be able to click through. Yeah. So that's, um, yeah. So that's how you can go listen to that. And you can also find my podcast on, um, I don't remember what the, is it Google play is the, um, uh, Oh, you're talking about Stitcher. Uh, well, and then there's Stitcher and um, iTunes. So it's on all the major um, podcast apps. You can find the podcast. And again, it's Keto Lifestyle. And um, so one of the things I always try to do in every episode is give a little tip, um, like a little um, kind of healthy lifestyle tip that I do and that I'm um, passionate about. So uh, the one I'm going to give you today is um, taking a, um, taking a bath in the evening, um, to de-stress because we were talking a little bit today about lifestyle and stress and how that, um, affects inflammation in our bodies. And, um, I don't get to do this nearly as much as I would like to, which would be every single day if I could, but, um, it's one of my favorite ways to do this is to fill your bathtub up and put some Epsom salt in the bath. So um, when you put Epsom salt, uh, the water breaks it down into magnesium and sulfate. And then when you sit in the bathtub, um, you're actually able to absorb that through your skin. 
So, and make the water super warm. That is always really nice. That help, just helps relax you, relaxes um, muscles and joints and all that. And then just to do a little bit um, extra for that, I like to put in that bath, I like, I like essential oils a lot. And um, I use a lot of essential oils in many different things. I make a lot of different um, salves and creams and stuff for our family. Um, and we use those. And one of the things I like to put in my bath is some lavender oil, especially if you're doing it at night, which can be really nice. That's, it's just soothing. Um, it can help definitely helps to relax you, can help with anxiety, stuff like that. So um, it's a really nice way to, to kind of end your day and before you're going to bed. Um, most of us are magnesium deficient. So um, I also take a magnesium pill about an hour before I go to bed um, every night. So that's um, important as well. But doing this um, magnesium bath is, or the Epsom salt bath, is another really good way to um, to get that, to absorb it, and just to get the added benefits of, of relaxing in, um, in the Epsom salt and in the warm water. Sounds good. Well, I guess uh, thanks for letting me uh, come back on as a co-host this time. I always have fun. I learn something every time. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, be doing it again very soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And again, if you guys have, um, have different subjects that you want to hear about, um, keep those coming. I've been getting emails and uh, messages through Facebook um, about those uh, subjects that people want to hear, and I love it. Um, one of them that I've been asked to do um, several times is a Keto for Kids podcast, so, uh, you know, episodes. So we're definitely going to do that one. Um, that might be next or, you know, within the next couple anyway. Um, I've got a couple of kiddos that said they would uh, do that with me. And so I think we're going to have some fun with that one. Sounds good. Well, we'll see y'all next time. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. This episode of Keto Lifestyle is brought to you by the How Did He Know app. How Did He Know is a revolutionary app that delivers daily customized tips to help men become better husbands and partners and reap the rewards that come from happy, fulfilling relationships. For more information, visit their website at www.howdidheknow.com or download it from the App Store today for iTunes or Android. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward to the next episode.